top of the morning to you, Solo fam, and may the rest of your day be great as well. My name is John Solo, and this is the Messed Up Origins Podcast, the show where I take your favorite fairy tales from childhood and ruin them with the truth. We are officially a week into the Halloween season, and as we learned last week in the Messed Up Origins of Jack-O-Lanterns, Halloween started as a Celtic holiday before being appropriated by Christianity, and I want to honor those Celtic roots. So this week, we're revisiting one of the Celts' most iconic creatures, banshees. Now, if you're anything like me, all of your experience with and knowledge of banshees comes from playing Halo. Outside of that, you may have heard or even used the term scream like a banshee without fully understanding its meaning, but you probably got the gist that whatever sound banshees make is almost as hard to listen to as that oh no sound bite from TikTok. I honestly hope that whoever created that sinks into a pit of quicksand, and I hope that someone's around to film their death so they can play the oh no soundbite over it. Because let's be clear, they deserve that hell. Anyway, I've always imagined banshees as raggedy old ghost monster ladies who spent their nights haunting orphanages, feasting on human flesh, and wailing into the moonlight. But it turns out I'm about two-thirds wrong. For well over a thousand years, banshees played a very important role in Irish culture, one that is associated with death, but not in the way that you might think because banshees aren't murderous spirits come back to haunt the living with their miserable crying, but instead, they're supposed to help us. And today, we're gonna talk about how. Chapter one, what is a banshee? So contrary to the commonly held belief of the modern day, banshees are not some kind of she-demon who drag their victims to early graves. Believe it or not, despite commonly being referred to as spirits or ghosts nowadays, traditionally they were categorized as fairies, and their name originally meant fairy woman though they were still heavily associated with death. According to tradition, banshees were female fairies that foretold the death of a family member, or in some instances delivered the news that a family member had just died by wailing, crying, or shrieking, and only those related to the deceased could hear them. Now to clarify, she doesn't kill said family member, nor does hearing her cry mean that you are going to die next. She's basically a mythical messenger who doesn't want you to have to wait for the obituaries to come out to know that your great aunt Tessie died. But not everyone in Ireland was so lucky to get a heads up about their relative's death. You had to be able to trace your lineage back to the Milesians, the oldest ancestors of the present day Irish, which means banshees only looked out for those whose last name started with O or Micmac, with a few exceptions. And while they're mostly auditory creatures, throughout the centuries, there's been a number of different descriptions of what banshees actually look like. In Catherine Briggs's 1976 Encyclopedia of Fairies, she claims it has long streaming hair, wears a gray cloak over a green dress, and her eyes are red from continual <laughs> weeping. Right, I'm sure that's what it's from, weeping with a P. Back in the 1600s, English writer Anne Franshaw claimed to see a banshee firsthand and said it was dressed in white with red hair and a ghastly complexion, while other accounts describe something a bit more ominous. A shrouded woman crouched beneath the trees, lamenting with a veiled face. There's also been some disagreement over the size of the banshee, with descriptions varying depending on which region of Ireland you ask in. Some claim she's unnaturally tall like Slenderman, but the majority of tales describe her as being between one and four feet 
feet high. Some experts believe this short stature could be a reflection of her old age, even though she can appear as an old or young woman, but others theorize it's to emphasize her status as a fairy. Then again, depending on who you ask, the Banshee might not be a fairy at all. Starting in the late 1800s, she began to take a much more ghostly, dare I say spoopy form, with the stories about her sounding a lot more, for lack of a better term, generic. Now I don't want it to come across like I'm hating on the culture, far from it, but that's honestly how it comes off to me. In my opinion, her being a fairy is a lot more enigmatic and interesting. It's like fairies are magical creatures and you can never tell what they're capable of. Meanwhile, ghosts are just predictable. And before you get mad, let me explain. Those who believe banshees are the spirits of the dead typically say they come in two different forms depending on who they were in life. When a young and innocent member of the family passed away, whether it be from illness, violence, or tragedy, she'd return as a banshee. And if she liked her family, she would come back in the form of a beautiful young spirit who, instead of wailing her warning, would sing it. However, if the banshee in question hated her family in life, she'd return as an old disfigured apparition that would howl her warnings with a tone of excitement that someone she despised was going to die soon. And while I certainly find these distinctions to be pretty cool, they just sound like exactly what I'd expect. I mean, how many famous ghost stories do you know with nearly identical setups? Granted, I can't really fault this interpretation with being unoriginal when it started to surface over 120 years ago at least, I just prefer the fairy explanation because to me, it's so much more unique. For those who don't know, the modern day fairies of Ireland were once believed to be gods known as Tuatha de Danann that went and disappeared underground after the arrival of the Milesians. And over the centuries, the public's imagination evolved the gods into fairies. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that banshees were gods at one point, but they existed on the same mythical level, similar to the sea nymphs or muses in Greek mythology. That being said, it doesn't sound like they made nearly as good a music. Chapter 2, The Origins of Banshees So now that you've got the scoop on what banshees are, let's talk a little bit about their history, because it's pretty damn interesting. Unfortunately, it's impossible to say exactly how long people have believed in them, but the earliest written mention of banshees can be traced back to the publication of Sean McCraith's Triumphs of Torlau back in 1380. The book depicts the wars between the Irish O'Brien family and the English Declares for the Tommond region of Ireland. Anyway, there are three specific banshees described in the text. One of them is beautiful, which rarely fits descriptions of banshees in later centuries, and the other two are ugly as folk. The ugly ones are also said to be surrounded by mutilated bodies and worn armies that are marching towards battle and their doom, but the commanders pretty much always ignore them and journey on toward their own destruction. Mentions of the fairies can also be found in Norman literature from that time, the Normans being the people who were born from Norse Viking settlers coming into contact with the French. Outside of these two sources though, they aren't written about again until around 300 years later in the memoirs of Lady Franshaw that we mentioned earlier. That was transcribed sometime in the late 1600s. Now it's definitely possible they were written about prior to that and the texts were just lost or destroyed over time, but like the majority of folklore, we can assume this legend was mostly passed on through the art of oral storytelling. But even still, you've gotta wonder where the idea of banshees comes from, right? I mean, a fairy that wails to warn you about the death of a family member is a pretty specific concept. While experts believe it may have been inspired by a pretty specific tradition that took 
place during Irish, Scottish, and Welsh funerals. That tradition was known as keening. It entailed a woman who would sing sad songs, cry, and wail very loudly over the deceased's body, essentially channeling the sadness of the entire community through her vocals for days on end. It might sound weird, but for a long time, it was the standard way for the dead person's family and loved ones to release grief. I don't know if it was something about seeing a person act out what you're feeling deep down, or maybe it just helped you feel like you weren't alone in your misery, but there was something oddly therapeutic about having a keener there, and the best ones even received payment for their services. Unfortunately, the practice was completely phased out before the 1960s by the Catholic Church, who considered it a little too pagan for their liking, but we have managed to preserve some recordings of one of the last living professional keeners from back in the day named Bridget Mullen. You can really hear the loss in her voice, can't ya? Now to those wondering how exactly all this connects with banshees, the belief back then was that the better the keener was, the more important the person being mourned. So when the most important people died, like the aristocrats and royal family members, they had the best keeners at their funeral. In fact, they were so good, the common folk thought them to be fairy women and referred to them as banshees, which slowly morphed into banshees. But John, didn't you say earlier that banshees were usually decrepit, scary looking old women? If keeners were highly sought after professionals, how did the reputation get mingled with these ominous heralds of death? Well, I'm sad to say that most keeners lived pretty depressing lives, and while gifted in their craft, many of them were paid in alcohol, which led to them becoming alcoholic old women who were banished from their villages or forced to live on the outskirts of town. And what do you do when you're a depressed, alcoholic exile whose only skill is singing sad songs? you sing them. Even if it's the middle of the night and the only person who hears you mistakes you for a mythical creature whose song is so sad, it must be a sign of terrible things to come. And if you're not sold on this theory just yet, those two other countries where keening was a common practice have their own versions of the banshee. In Scottish folklore, there's a similar creature known as the little washerwoman who's said to be seen washing the bloodstained clothes or armor of those who are about to die. And in Welsh folklore, they have the caha wraith, which doesn't have a physical form, but is rather a disembodied bodied voice that wails and moans to signal a person's death. Man, if you don't even have to look the part, it would be really easy to prank someone in Wales if they knew about the Kaha Wraith, but I know you guys are way too nice to do anything like that, right? Anyway, that solo fam was the messed up origins of Banshees. If you don't know, now you know. Thank you all for tuning in to the Messed Up Origins podcast. We're posting episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So don't forget to sacrifice the five-star and follow buttons to the algorithm gods to make sure they bless your feed with more mythological and folklore content. If you have any thoughts on this episode you'd like to share, like if you really enjoyed it or are dying to correct my pronunciation of something, hit me up under the Messed Up Origins handles on Twitter and Instagram. And to those who are craving more Messed Up Origins, feel free to check out other episodes episodes of the podcast or look up my YouTube channel called John Solo to experience the original episodes complete with visual aids and custom made artwork. Until next time, Solo fam, my name is John Solo and don't forget, John shot first. 